Our second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Shalom fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all that all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I have found none. Cut it down. Why should we be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit, well and good. But if not, you may cut it down. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy, loving God, we come to you in the midst of a world that is full of sorrow and pain. We come into your presence and experience the beauty and the joy of your love for us. As we draw near to you and near to your word, help us to make sense of the lives we live in this world. Amen. In this morning's gospel, we find Jesus in a teaching moment. He's on the move, proclaiming the good news, healing, and teaching. And this morning, as Jesus teaches, we get to experience two of his teaching methods. The first I'm going to call, let's read the signs of the times. And the second, let me tell you a story. Let's read the signs of the times as the teachable moment opens someone brings to jesus an event of their day and jesus invites the crowd together to make meaning out of it we do this all the time we read or see something in the news a pandemic a war yet another shooting of an unarmed black person and we say how can this be why how does this even make sense? What are we to do with this? We move through this life with a sense of the way the world works, our world view, and then something happens that doesn't fit, that doesn't make any sense, and so we have to rethink. We make meaning 
out of the events of our day, and we bring to that all the resources we have, including our sense of who God is and who we are and the life that we experience together. There's an old maxim that people of faith read, the, read with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Someone in the crowd brings to Jesus an event of their day, something that would have been ripped from their headlines. They tell Jesus about some Galileans whose blood Herod had mingled with the sacrifices. Now, now we're not really sure what historical event this might refer to. No one's been able to find another telling of this, but evidently Herod, the tyrant of the day, had a group of Galileans killed, and to make some point, he mingled their blood with the temple sacrifices. A gruesome atrocity. They bring this to Jesus in the middle of a teaching session, and they say, Jesus, teacher, what do you think about this? And Jesus doesn't play. He goes right for the heart of their question. What you're asking me is, why did they die? Why did this happen to them? Was God punishing them for something they had done? And then Jesus adds another current event. What about the people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell? Are you thinking that God was punishing them too? Jesus names one of the fundamental questions of human experience. Why do people suffer? And Jesus takes head on a construct that would have been common in their world and that is all too common in ours, the sense that, that God causes everything that happens. So if something happens to people, God must be punishing them. And to that, Jesus very clearly says, no. No. That's not how God works. That's not who God is. God doesn't want or cause people to suffer ever no. Now Jesus, the teacher, doesn't solve the problem of human suffering for them. As Justo Gonzalez says, Jesus doesn't answer the question of human suffering. He just tells them that a certain answer is wrong. No. God doesn't punish people and cause them to suffer. Stop blaming the vulnerable. Stop blaming God. But then Jesus says this, the teacher complicates things. Jesus says, but unless you change your ways, you're heading to destruction too. God doesn't cause suffering, but the way you live your life does matter. God doesn't cause suffering, but the way we live in and structure the world does no one is saying, at least I don't think they are, that God is causing the war in Ukraine, but we have together created a world where nations rage and threaten each other with destruction, a militarized world where violence too often gets its way, where despots can invade, a world that if left unchanged and unchecked inevitably leads to destruction. God isn't causing climate chaos. We've constructed a world based on aggressive, ravenous consumption, and the ways we are living, left unchecked and unchanged, inevitably will lead, inevitably are leading to destruction. 
Read the signs of the times, Jesus says. God doesn't cause suffering. The reality of how we live our lives collectively and individually, do, individually often does. Remember, in the Gospel of Luke, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are creating, birthing nothing less than a whole new world, a new creation. In Jesus, God is turning the world right side up. This is the new world proclaimed by Mary in the Magnificat. God is raising up those who have been pushed down and bringing down the powerful. It is the new reign for which John the Baptist says we should prepare the way. It is the life described by Jesus at the start of his ministry. The Spirit is upon me. I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, release for the captive, freedom from all oppression, and God's canceling of every debt. There is an old paradigm still at work in the world. Systems of power over, consumption, and exploitation that lead toward destruction. And even now, even now, there is a new creation opening up that leads only to life. Choose life. And then Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And he tells them a parable. Now, it's been a while since we've talked about parables, I think several months. Remember, a parable is a story that stirs things up. The Greek for parable, parabolo, means to throw alongside. Jesus throws a story alongside the life we live, and it startles. It surprises. It stirs up all sorts of questions. We listen to these ancient stories and try to hear them as the folks back then heard them in their time and in their world. What would they have expected? What would have surprised them? And then we translate that into our world. What's the meaning for them? What's, what's the meaning for us? As Jesus continues teaching, he tells them this parable. There was a fig tree planted in a vineyard. And one day the landowner came by looking for fruit on that fig tree, but found none. So he said to the gardener, for three years... For three years I've been looking for figs on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should I be wasting soil on it? But the gardener scratches her head and says, one more year. Let's wait one more year. I'll dig around the roots a little and spread some manure, some good fertilizer, and then if it bears fruit, well and good. And if not... In the world they know, the people listening to Jesus would have expected a different ending to this story. In a world of economic exploitation, the landowner is there to maximize the profit he can extract from the land. For a third year, he walks through the vineyard, a businessman, the vines having been harvest of all their grapes, and he checks the fig tree and finds no fruit. For three years, no fruit. They know the way this story goes. They fully expect the landowner to cut down the tree, maybe plant some vines there that will grow more grapes and produce more profit. But in this vineyard, the gardener steps in, maybe like she has for the last three years, and says, one more year, let me tend this tree maybe free up its roots, spread some manure, and then let's see. 
And if it bears fruit, all is well and good. And if not, well, we'll talk about cutting it down then. They are living in that world we described. The world of power over and exploitation and consumption. The world we find in this vineyard of the parable is different. There's an affirmation here that we are created to bear fruit, but that happens here in a vineyard where we experience what one writer called divine forbearance, a spaciousness, a patient will toward growth, a God who is willing to do the long work with us. That growth that bearing fruit that happens in this vineyard through collaboration and cooperation, the gardener working with the tree, tending the land. In this teaching moment, Jesus meets them in a world where folks envision a punishing God and create and inhabit systems of oppression and exploitation and harm. Reading of the times and telling them a story, Jesus takes them by the hand and walks them into this vineyard, a spacious world where folks together till the soil of a new creation so that everyone can live and thrive and bear abundant fruit in season. This teaching moment and this parable stir things up and open up a world of possibility and meaning. Maybe we still have visions of that punishing God haunting the way we see the world, images of God as an angry man just waiting to catch us messing up our lives and our world so that he can slam down the gavel and give us the misery that we think we deserve. To that image of God, Jesus says, no, that's not how God works. That's not who God is. God doesn't want or cause people to suffer ever. Jesus says, in my life, in the death that will surely come and in the resurrection you can't quite yet understand, let me help you see the God who is full to the brim with love and life. Reverend Larissa Kwong Abazia, one of the co-creators of our Full to the Brim theme, says that she reads this parable and the first thing she wonders is, what's a fig tree doing in the vineyard? As a woman of color, she explains that she often experiences the world as a fig tree in the midst of grapevines. She says, we are placed in fields not meant for us, and yet we are expected to survive. As she experiences this parable, she sees the gardeners tending the tree with everything it needs to grow into its purpose. That purpose may be bearing figs. Or maybe the fig tree provides shade for the laborers at the harvest. Or an opportunity for the gardener to tend the field in a new way. Or transformation of the owner's ability to see beyond the commodification of the land. Or, maybe as we approach this story, it has a word to all of us who are caught up in this world's insistence on production all the time, the commodification of us and our time and our lives, the sense that we should always be producing something, and if we're not, well, 
isn't that just a waste of good soil? In this story of a fig tree with time and space to grow, maybe we hear a word in which grace abounds. As you look around our world and in your life, as you read the signs of the times and hear of the story of a fig tree being nurtured into growth and life, what is the meaning that you make out of all this? I'm noticing that this year tree imagery keeps sprouting up. We began the year with Psalm 1 and some verses from Jeremiah envisioning a tree planted by streams of water, sending its roots deep, its branches spread broad, giving shade and shelter on a dry and weary day. As we celebrated Ozma Eshin's life, we gave thanks for thousands of trees planted in Afghanistan as signs of peace in a time of war. And here we are this morning in a vineyard as a garden, gardener patiently tends to a fig tree awaiting the bounty of a harvest she knows will come. The world around us is filled with violence and oppression and systems and structures that do harm and day to day, we are too often a part of that. The lives we live matter. And so Jesus comes to us and says, let me give you a glimpse of this new world, the new creation. Let me give you a glimpse of resurrection. The Spirit is upon me. I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, release to the captive, freedom from oppression, and God's canceling of every debt. Jesus says to us, leave the ways of that old world behind and come, come, be a part of this.